and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. We're here today with Lee, who had a stroke at 37. We're going to talk to him about what his life is like and what he's doing now with his life. So, Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. My pleasure to be on. I do appreciate it. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. So you had a stroke in December of 2014, and actually you ended up having three. That is correct. It's December 23rd, two days before Christmas, oh, and I found myself in a hospital <laughs> with something that I never heard of in my life. I didn't know what was going on, and come to find out, yes, yeah, it's correct. I had a stroke, followed by multiple ones after that. So you were home, though, when you had the first one. And you knew kind of, I guess, something was wrong? It, that's correct. Actually, the first one occurred, well, oddly enough, all three of my strokes occurred while I was asleep. On the 23rd, I woke up, and when I woke up, I was discombobulated, confused, and I sort of thought I slept on the wrong side of the bed, maybe just a little numbness. And by the time I made myself downstairs, I saw the look on my wife's face. And I literally bust into tears. I still didn't know what was going on, but I knew something was wrong. And I saw how I was not able to open up my fist. So it was, it was such a strange and almost out-of-body experience. And from that point, she called 911, and they rushed me to the hospital. And I was, you know, come to find out is what they call waxing and weaning. But basically, I was, for 10, 15 minutes, having normal conversation, no deficits. And then 15 minutes later, I would start kind of drooling, my arm would get tight, and I would start kind of mumbling and almost incoherent. And this occurred like three or four times. And on the fourth time when I, while I was in the emergency room, they rushed me to take a CAT scan and MRI, and they said I had a stroke. And unfortunately, they didn't know the time frame which occurred because I was asleep, so they couldn't do anything to, you know, reverse that process. Right. And that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was the first one. And oddly enough, the first stroke did not leave any deficits whatsoever. And, you know, I was fine. They were going to release me on December 25th, Christmas Day. They're like, this is a gift to your family. You're actually coming home. And, you know, still not knowing what a stroke was, I'm more like, okay, well, I'm fine. I had no deficits. My arm's fine. Face, vocabulary. Um excited and went to sleep the 24th. I did all the physical therapy and occupational therapy in the hospital. Everything was great for dismissal, no limitations, just, you know, change my diet, exercise more, you know, monitor my blood pressure. And I woke up on the 25th and I could not open my hand, facial droop, uh, could not walk, still not knowing what was occurring. You know, on the 25th, they're like, hey, you know, it's Christmas day. And you know, I'm thinking that I was having a reaction from Lovenox, the actual shot that they were giving me for blood, you know, for your blood thinner, because I was able to walk for those two days. So, of course, being a WebMD, I, I, I'm Googling all the side effects, and I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. That's why I can't walk, and I don't need to take these shots. And they're like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And they did another MRI, find out I had my second stroke. I know it's not funny, but WebMD sometimes can be a little dangerous. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, at that time, you know, they brushed me in the MRI and then they, they transferred me to uh, rehabilitation. And when I got there shortly after that, I had my third stroke. And then from there, you know, it was, it, it's rehabilitation to this day right now. You know, I'm still going to physical therapy, speech therapy, and all that good stuff. Were you pretty active before this happened? Were you I still was active. I was extremely active. I had a younger life. I played Division One basketball for a small school, Georgia Southern in Georgia. And I also transferred to another school in Alabama. So, you know, I was an athlete. But, probably, you know, that was probably about 20 years ago. But, I, you know, I worked out. I was in good shape. But I didn't know my numbers. I didn't know that I had high cholesterol. I was a diabetic. And I had high blood pressure. So, you know, you can work out and have all these things. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the thing that I didn't know what a stroke was. You know, I, I, to a extent, I had everybody like, oh, you had to be old. You had to look a certain way. You had to be overweight. You know, and that was my stereotype of what a stroke was. So even, right. you know, the recovery process. It was hard to believe that, oh, I had a stroke. But now that I've done a lot more research, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, right. young kids have strokes, you know. It's like a random pick. You never know who's mm -hmm. to have a stroke. You didn't know that you had high blood pressure, correct? No, I didn't. Um, what I did know is when I look back and think about it, all of these nights that I was having headaches and, um, you know, sweating and, you know, waking up, it was right. because I had high blood pressure. It wasn't because I, you know, I worked hard or, you know, I'm not getting enough rest or what have you. So right. that, that was from, that was from all that. So, so had you already been diagnosed as being diabetic before that? No, I, I didn't know that until afterwards okay. too. Okay. So, yes. you know, coming to find out, and that was something that, that I found out, at, you know, maybe about a year after I had the stroke. Because I was, you know, my numbers were kind of, I guess they were okay, but for some reason they didn't do the blood work, you know. So when they were checking my blood, I'm not, I'm sorry, not my blood pressure, but, you know, for for my right. diabetes, but, you know, it never came back high. So after I, you know, about a year afterwards, I went to the doctor and my numbers were like 280, 290, where they immediately put me on the medication where he's like, you know, if it doesn't go down in a week, we're going to have to do insulin. Right. And so, and, you know, and not going back to visit other doctors, they're like, hey, you've had diabetes for a long time. You know, you have high blood pressure for a long time. You had high cholesterol for a long time. And it's the one effects that, that I'm African-American and my grandmother had a stroke, you know, in her 50s. So I have a family history of that also. And that's something that I totally forgot about during the process of, you know, do you have any, you know, because my mother, my grandmother, sorry, passed away at a younger age. So I mm -hmm. never really you know, put two and two together, for lack of a better word, that she passed away from a stroke. Well, and African-Americans, it's my understanding from things that I've learned, they're more prone to them for some reason. Absolutely. That's one of the things that, you know, I, I saw that again today, that especially from the age from 45 to, I believe it's 64, are more prone to having strokes. And, of course, I fall in the area of being 37. So it's like, why me? Why me? But then when I do a little more research, like, you know, I was A1. I have a family history of it as well. So that's what? something that with me ha having my children, we're definitely different diets and going to be more mindful of telling them. And being aware, it's like since I've had my stroke, I've made sure that my kids understand that they need to take care of themselves. That this is Absolutely. important um, because I am also diabetic and uh, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. stroke. 
Um, mine was totally different um, type of stroke, but they, they still need to be aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you are kind of, I guess, a motivational speaker, stroke speaker? Yeah, because I, I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll be a disservice if I don't share my, my story. And along my, along my recovery, you know, it, it, I, and, I, and I'm first to say I'm still in recovery now because since my stroke, you know, I had bad anxiety, bad depression. I went from making a handsome income to nothing at all and, you know, waiting for Social Security. And so being in wh wherever you are, you know, taking the, taking one salary out of the equation is tough. So all this and being in denial of the fact that I had a stroke, I know it sounds kind of odd, but I was in denial. I was in shock. You know, I didn't post anything on Facebook or any, Insta you know, any social medias about, you know, I have had a stroke and everything. For lack of a better, I was ashamed. Yeah, and that, and that was the truth. So being ashamed and in shock and in denial probably for the first year, you know, that's probably where I was. And after kind of coming to an acceptance of it, then, I, you know, depression and anxiety and, and you know, PSDD, mm -hmm. all these things kicked into place. So, you know, it's definitely in a process now. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed sharing my story. And not only that, you know, they say 80% of strokes are preventable. It is a process, number one, to be accepting of the stroke and be willing to share your story. You know, sometimes age is a huge factor because the younger you are, the more you need to find people your age. And it's not always easy because they're not out there. They don't want to share that they had a stroke because people think it's an old people's, that only old people get it. But it, that's not true. I mean, you can have it's, a, exactly. a utero all the way up to mm -hmm. you know, 100 and whatever's. Um, exactly. You know, I mean, I, as it, I've done research on strokes, I realize that they're actually not common, but, you know, during labor, a lot of strokes occur for women. Like, it's just yes. the, you know, the perception of what a stroke is, is one of the things that I want to fight for, also fight against. Because if you see me and saw my life prior or even after, you'd be like, oh, he didn't have a stroke or he doesn't look like he to have a stroke. And so what does a stroke look like? You know, mm -hmm. sorry, to your point, old people don't own it and it can happen to anybody, you know, stress. Oh. And, I, and I believe I was the perfect storm, you know, mm -hmm. being around the holidays, hosting an event, you know, being in traffic, you know, it was, it was the totality of everything. And, you know, worrying about this, so stress, blood pressure, you know, these things are anybody. Right. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, I wasn't a big sleeper. I wasn't the best eater. You know, I was fast food, you know, every, all that good stuff that you know now that you're not <laughs> supposed to be eating on a daily basis. <laughs> exactly. Multiple times a day. Yep. So, yes. you know, and so, so that, that is the thing that, you know, you want to educate the public on things yes. that you need to do to prevent, prevent the strokes. Being young, we all think we're invincible. Yeah. The younger you are, the more invincible you are, or you think you mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, so one of the, the big things is then after, you know, I, I can only speak kind of from my experience, but mm -hmm. when I had a stroke, I don't even know that it was, you know, that I needed to accept it. I don't think for a while, a long while, that I really got what this was, what, what I'd mm -hmm. had, you know, 
I've worked in the medical field, well, now for 33 years, but at the time it was about 28 years, I guess. But still, mm, wow. in the medical field, I, had, I was just a medical secretary, so I always knew enough to be really dangerous, and I knew mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. But I have learned so much more that a lot of the stuff that I knew isn't what it is. And, right, uh, right. and once I started realizing what had happened, what, you know, was going through, it was like I had to accept that I wasn't the old me. I was still Cam, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had to learn to work with that new person. So, right. you know, acceptance, then, you know, learning how to work with the new person, figuring out she was pretty great, um, you know, mm -hmm. and then purpose. So right, it sounds, right. kind of went through that same thing. But how did you find your purpose? How did you find out that you wanted to do this? You know, and it took me a while. And I totally, I, like I said earlier, I totally understand exactly what you're saying about acceptance. And, and one thing that it took me a while to find my purpose. And one of the turning points was like, you know what? I don't want this to define me. And, and and I kind of broke it down into language of the world. Like, you can't tell anyone how to grieve. You can't tell anyone how to do certain things, you know, because it's all it's all an event that you weren't really expecting a lot of times. And right. so as I started to kind of process it, it started to be kind of, because, again, speaking to people, going to different stroke groups, realizing that, one, I wasn't the only one, and two, that, okay, you know, I can kind of incorporate myself into quote-unquote society. So going to different um, different groups, being involved. But, and again, that process was hard, too, because you said to yourself, you know, you once said that, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard to come acceptance, and there's not a lot of venues out there for people that are, quote-unquote, younger, you know, working, family, that you can feel comfortable with. So one of the things that I started was maybe, you know, create a nonprofit, maybe do a lot more volunteer work. And as I started to do that, it started to become more therapeutic than me sitting down, talking to someone, any kind of medication that I had. So as I started to create my own nonprofit, as I started to speak to other people about my story, I started to now do more research about strokes. And I had to realize, hey, you know what? I'm not that special. <laughs> this happens to everyone. You know, and, and then as I started to do that, the more and more that I volunteered with other stroke survivors and told them about my story, the better I felt. And then I realized that, you know what, and you hit the head right nail right on the head that there are a lot of people out there that went through what we went through and they don't really share their experience because they, one, really don't have a form to a place to really reach out to. Right. So, I wanted to be affiliated with great people that do different things like what we're doing now. That mm -hmm. if, you know, we can catch a couple people's attention, it's worth, right. you know, it's worth, what's 20 minutes of my time if I can tell someone that, hey, maybe you may need to just go to your local CVS or your little grocery store and check your blood pressure. Right. Oh, Don't, yeah, don't yeah. base it on the WebMD. Oh, because my head's hurt, I need to sit down. No, you need to know your numbers. Right. <laughs> You're so good, and that's true. There's a group here. I'm in St. Louis, and um, okay. they're called ABC Brigade, and that has to do with, you know, know, you know, your A1C, know your blood pressure, 
and mm -hmm. I don't remember what the C stands for, but that's what they are there for, and they do education, and um, they do a stroke walk, and all sorts of stuff trying to get that out there about, um, you know, especially blood pressure and cholesterol and, and different things like mm -hmm. that. So it is important. It's very important. That's one of the most important things is to know your numbers, whether you're a what diabetic. Was that, what was that called again? I have to definitely get that from you. What was the name of the group? That's just a local group in St. Louis? Yes. They're called okay. ABC okay. Brigade, and okay. they're here in St. Louis. Um, and I am in contact with them because I also run an in-person stroke support group. And uh, okay. they contacted me a few years ago, and so, um, but they've brought in speakers on aphasia and, and you know other things. But their big thing is is you know your A one C, your blood pressure, and then I guess the C means right. cholesterol. Probably cholesterol, but, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, you know, and I know many people probably who listen to us, they're not always in areas that have great resources. And, and to, be honest, to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I did that too, because it was, considering I'm in the D.C. metropolitan area, you'll think mm -hmm. there'll be a lot more resources, and come to find out they were very limited, and I was really disappointed, you know, in this process of the limited resources mm -hmm. out there, and, and there's some things out there, but they're not even marketed well, it's also, I've noticed that. You right. have to go search and hunting for these things and calling some hospitals. Say, oh, you guys have this problem? Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I was looking for. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's great that you're in that area. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there are a lot of resources, but you're still right that you really have to research them and find them. And fortunately, I'm on a bunch of uh, lists and, and different things, and so people do tend to reach out now to me which makes it mm -hmm. nice. So at some point, you know, some things we find out about, but it's, this isn't all about me. So, um, right, 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 right. What do you think is the most important challenge stroke survivors have to overcome? Uh, I think it happens in different phases, to be honest with you. Some of the things that I've noticed, I'm here, but the first thing you have to realize as a stroke survivor, you have to know your body. And, and it's hard to know the limitations because I know initially when I was um, trying to quote unquote get back to normal, mm -hmm. I was on a treadmill, for example, and I was walking maybe for two, two miles and my wife will come running downstairs because she's hearing a noise and she's looking at me like, get off, get off because my foot is dragging and I'm, you know, and I guess my eyes are looking bug eyed. It's like, you have to stop. So one of the things initially is the, the gauge and that's why a lot of stroke survivors are not able to drive initially because we but we think we can drive so one of the things you know you have to learn your limitations with your body and you know and, and one of the things is you have to rest you have to really be in tune with that not not in the sense that you're going to have another stroke but you need that recovery time you need to rest you need to lay down you need to be still let your body heal because right. unlike a broken ankle that you can see that okay, yeah, it's getting a little stronger. Get a, when you have in the brain, it takes a period of time, it's, so it's no timetable. So that's definitely one. And it, even to the day, you know, I still have to be mindful of, you know, what? Let me just take a quick nap because I am doing a little bit too much. I'm more 
more mindful because now I can see it more. Like, you know, I can tell like how I'm walking. My foot may drag, you know, my face will do a little bit more. My tone may flare up in my arm. That tell that's telling me that okay, I need I need to lay down. Oh my gosh, that that's so true for me also, and maybe it is for everybody. But I know mm-hmm. that I I have limits, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. still five and a half years later, forget that I have limits, and so I'll try right. to do more too much. And you're right, my foot will drag a little bit, or um, my mm-hmm. gets um uh. I don't, uh, my speech gets a little off, I guess. I mm-hmm, would mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Things like that. And so, yes, you have to. Yeah, you have to. I mean, and then, you know, from there, within there, you just have to not get, get familiar with being uncomfortable and just redefine yourself. You know, I really think that my stroke allowed me the ability to see other things other than, you know, just hone in in one vision. Because when right. you have to relearn how to walk and relearn how to, write and relearn everything you mm-hmm. don't have to really jump to go back to the normal you can kind of slow down and reevaluate what quote unquote your normal was and you know move forward from there so the, I, I once once you're in this situation you really have to embrace it and i know it's hard for a lot of stroke survivors because again just like anything no stroke mm-hmm. is the same but you right. got to realize that it's a process and, and, and it's so hard, especially when you can't see it. Like we're so yes. accustomed, like I said, you're, you're seeing a broken arm, broken leg, but when you know something occurred in your brain and you can't see it and you're like, okay, I'm doing all the physical therapy. Mm-hmm. You just have to have patience. And that would be like my number two thing. Just have patience with it all because it is a long process. Like you said, you're five and a half years out and you're still learning different things at different gauges and, so Absolutely. it's definitely a process. Right. And and so, I see a lot of people discouraged, too, because, you know, they're, they're told, oh, you'll make the most, most progress in three months. You'll make a lot of progress mm-hmm. in six months. And you'll still be making pro- progress in a year. But after that, you probably won't make any pro- pro- progress. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I cry, uh, that's a lie. Because five and a half years yeah. later, I still make progress. And that's something else that we want people to know. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean that that's wonderful. I mean, I'm definitely going to use that. that. That was great because it is. It's definitely, you know, what everyone tells you when you're young, you know, it's a process. You have to trust the process. It's a journey. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But literally, <laughs> it is. But it's so hard when you're living it, though. It's right. so hard when you're living it. It's so hard. You know, right. and then you and then you talk about the other things. In my case, financially, you know, if you're not able to work, unfortunately, you may have this this event that occur, but your mortgage doesn't Still care. Has to be paid. <laughs> your your yeah. car insurance has yeah. to be paid. So again, you're putting on a, another burden on top of what you're going through. So it is, is you know, and that makes it worse. You know, nobody wants to feel like you know I wasn't able to drive for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, so you go through that and you have to go through the physical aspect. And the one thing that I've noticed where I am, the mental aspect is equally, if not even more than the physical, because it's yes. all those factors, finance, you don't feel like putting the burden on nobody. And so you have these different phases that you go through. And this is the things that I still go through daily, mm-hmm. you know, without a yeah. question about it. I go through it daily. I'm able to navigate it a little bit more, but 
you know, it still doesn't make it any better. And how things are set up, you know, even if you receive, let's say, Social Security, that's not going to be as much money as you made previously. Right. You know, oh. so it's so it's <laughs> and that and I know the process of that. So that's something that's going to yeah. take a while, you know, two, three, four, five years. Well, you know, what's depending funny, on your state. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is, Lee, I went back to work part time within five months of my stroke. And, mm. you know, I started out with the usual like four hours a week and then right, know, right, right. four hours. And we finally I had worked up to 20 hours. Well, I was a single parent that wasn't paying the bills. And so I had right. applied for Social Security, I was, you know, at part time, I should be able to get this. Well, yeah, I qualified, but I'm too much money. What? <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, you know, so yeah. it's, it's hard out there. So, um, and then, oh, you, you said it, it is so hard, you know, and the finance part is so hard. It might be, I don't know. I mean, the whole, the whole, it, it is hard. Right. It mm. is. And, and I will agree with that 110% or whatever, because it, it is very hard. And that's one of the worst things about having a stroke is there is no, when do I go back to work full time all the time? Some people can. Um, but I've heard so many people that their disability was dropped or they couldn't get Social Security. And they tried going back to work, and it was a failure. And so then that adds something mm -hmm. to it. But what I do want to ask – oh, go ahead. No, go, and I, you're absolutely right. I was just going to say you're absolutely independent on the type of work you do. You know, right. I was in finances for 15 years, and then I left to do electrician work. So, you know, certain work jobs, you're a liability. Right. You oh, might be physically not able to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you might not be, you know, there, you know, not, not to say emotionally, but, you know, your brain might not be fired up to handle numbers, accounting, and, you know, responsibility when you're dealing with finances. You know, right. it, so it, it's definitely tough. It's definitely tough. And I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. So um, is there a way for people to get a hold of you? Do you have like a website or... Um uh, a Facebook page or something where people can find out about what you do. Yes, absolutely. Well, 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 right now, right now, everything is, is, you know, we're guys just slowing down because we're getting geared up for the fall and I have a lot of great events, but I'm, I'm at www.counterstroke.org. That's my website. And on Facebook and Twitter, I'm also at counterstroke. Um, again, it's Counter-Stroke. The spell check will automatically tell it, change it to Counter-Strike, <laughs> but it's actually <laughs> Counter-Stroke. Okay. But, um, yeah, we, I'm definitely going to be posting a lot of great events that I'm doing. But right now, we're actually in the process in the back end of re remodeling, re re um, you know, changing some things up. But, yeah, you definitely can find me on those things. Twitter, same thing, Counter-Stroke. And I'm also on Instagram as well as Counter-Stroke. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm – I've, I love to do things like this, talk to great people like yourself. So keep doing what you're doing also in your community. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't stop just because I know that it's needed, that mm -hmm. people need to know that what they consider a younger stroke survivor, that um, we are out there. They need to see that. So, yes, I will continue, and you too. And I would love to have you back at some time because – I have so many more questions. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.